This Mishnah brings a few more examples of forms of work which are permitted, either because they are Dovar Ha'oved, something which would the person would lose out a lot if he would not perform that activity, or if it is a Tzarech HaMoyed, for the need of the Yom Tov. Says the Mishnah, It is permitted to cover figs which have been cut and left out in the sun to dry. One can cover those with straw, if he is concerned that it might rain, he wants to protect his figs, so he can do so, even though lots of effort is involved in covering the figs with straw. Nevertheless, since it is a Dover HaOved, it is permitted. Rabbi Yehud Omer Rabbi Yehuda says, Afma'abin, it is even permitted to pile up the figs in a pile, which requires more effort than just covering it with straw. And even though perhaps he could have covered them with straw, and that would require slightly less effort, at the end of the day it's considered to be a Dover HaOved, and so he can cover it in the way that he likes. And this way the top figs of the pile would protect the figs which are lower down in the pile. Now just like working is forbidden on Cholomoyed except for the exceptions which we have discussed over the last two parakim, the same applies to buying and selling. So in general, it's only permitted to buy and sell if it's the Tzarech if it's for the sake of Yom Tov. Now somebody who is not regularly a merchant who sells things in the marketplace, but it happens to be he's got a few things which he wants to sell. So he would be allowed to sell it in the regular way to somebody who needs it, as long as it's for the sake of Yom Tov. However, somebody who throughout the year sells things, he's a shopkeeper, he's a merchant, if he were to continue selling the things on Cholomoyed, even if it's a Tzorech HaMoyed, it would appear as if he's just going about his regular day-to-day life, continuing to sell things. People won't necessarily realize that he's only doing it at Tzorech HaMoyed, because it appears as if he's doing his regular job. And so the Mishnah says, People who throughout the year are sellers of produce or clothes or items, they should sell it privately, or not necessarily privately, but more quietly and discreetly, and they can only do it for the sake of Yom Tov. Now the Gemara explains it doesn't mean that they have to do it only inside their house and make sure that it's done totally secretly. Rather, they have to show that they are selling it in a slightly different manner. And they're not selling as usual, they are selling less. And the Gemara gives an example of a shop, let's say, which has two doors. So on Cholomoyed, they should keep one door locked. So they're showing that they're sort of they're open, but they're not selling as usual. Only things which are totally necessary for Yom Tov. If they make that recognizable, then it is permitted. On a similar note, Hatsayodin, people whose occupation is to trap animals, Vadoshoishois, or to crush grain, Vagoroisois, or to crush beans. So these are all things which on Cholomoyed could be done, Letzorichamoyed, for the sake of Yom Tov. They all involve food. But again, if they do it in public, then it would appear as if they are doing their regular job, no different on Cholomoyed. And therefore, again, they may only do so in private, meaning they should do it in an unusual way and only for the sake of Yom Tov. But again, somebody who doesn't regularly crush grain, say, could crush grain on Cholomoyed, especially since he would usually do a much smaller quantity and therefore it does not appear as if he's doing a regular job, rather it is clear that he is doing it for the sake of Yom Tov. Rabbi Yasi says, It's true that according to the strict letter of the law, these people whose occupation is involved in food and trapping and crushing grain, they may do so also on Cholomoyed, as long as they do it in an unusual way, as we have seen. Nevertheless, they were strict upon themselves that even privately they would not continue doing that work 
on Cholamoid in order to make it totally recognizable. But Cholamoid is also considered somewhat a yomtev. It's not just a regular day, so they accepted upon themselves not to work at all as their regular occupation on Cholamoid. Although according to the rules which we have learnt up until now, having a haircut on Cholamoid for the sake of yomtev should be permitted, it's considered to be Letzorich HaMoyed, However, Medirabbonon, it is forbidden to have a haircut at all on Cholomoyed. And the same applies for washing one's clothes. And the reason for this is in order that one ends up having a haircut and washing his clothes before Yom Tov begins. Because really, one should come into Yom Tov with fresh clothes and a fresh haircut looking very presentable for the honor of the Yom Tov. And if it was permitted to do so on Cholomoyed, people would end up pushing it off and not coming into the beginning of Yom Tov, having washed their clothes and having had a haircut. Now because this is the reason, if for whatever reason it was impossible for somebody to have a haircut before Yom Tov, it would be permitted for him to do so on Cholamoyed. The Eilum Galchim Bamoyed, the following people, can have a haircut on Cholamoyed because they were not able to do so beforehand. Habomim Dina Sayam, one who comes and arrives from abroad, so he had to go away for some sort of business activity. The Mephoshim explain it's not just somebody who went on holiday, but he had to go away for some sort of business or other purpose, and since he went abroad it's quite well known. And so if people see him having a haircut on Cholamoyed, they'll realize that it's because he couldn't have one before. Somebody who comes out of being held in captivity and he was freed either just before Yom Tov, so he didn't have enough time before Yom Tov to have a haircut, or if he was freed on Cholamoid. Somebody who goes out of prison. Somebody who is under a ban known as a Nidui. A Nidui is a sort of ban which is placed by a Talmud Chacham or by a Beistin upon a particular person who has violated certain Averis, or if he doesn't comply with what the Beistin say, so they would decree a Nidui on him, which in most scenarios means that for 30 days he can't have contact with other people, he's not counted as part of a minion, and one of the laws which also applies to a Menudeh, somebody who has this Nidui ban upon him, is that he's not allowed to have a haircut. The Chachomim permitted his ban, if they removed his ban either just before Yom Tov or on Cholomoyed, so he was not able to have one beforehand and therefore he is able to have a haircut on Cholomoyed. Now a neder is when one makes a vow against benefiting from a particular item, or he could make a vow against performing a particular activity with, a t- with an item. So he could make a neder against his hair with regards to the benefit of cutting his hair. So in other words, he makes a vow not to cut his hair. Now even once one has made a vow, there is a way to permit the vow. If he goes to a Talmud Chacham, and he regrets having made the vow, and he didn't realize what situation it would put him into, so if certain conditions are met, then the Chacham can permit his vow. So the Mishnah says, The same applies to somebody who approached and asked a Talmud Chacham to permit his vow, the hutar, and indeed his vow was permitted. So until now, he wasn't able to have a haircut, and now he can. The hanozir, a nozir who is somebody who accepts upon himself certain prohibitions, including not cutting his hair. So if his period of being a nozir ended just before Yom Tov or on Cholmoid itself, so once again, he would be able to have a haircut on Cholmoid, v'hametzoira, a metzoira who is somebody who has tzara'as and is tome for at least a week, who goes up from being Tomei to being Tohar, meaning somebody who stops being a Metzairah, he also, whilst he was a Metzairah, he was not able to have a haircut, 
because that is one of the laws which applies to a Metzoyra. And now that he can have a haircut, he would be able to do so on Cholamoyed. Mishnah base for Eidim Chabsim Bamoyed, the following people are allowed to wash their clothes on Cholamoyed, even though in general this is forbidden Midrabonon in order to encourage people to do so before Yom Tov begins. So the first few on the list are the same as in the previous Mishnah. Habomim Dina Sayam, somebody who arrives from being abroad, from Beis Hashivya, or from being held in captivity, Vahayetim Beis Asurim, somebody who comes out of prison, Vahamanudesh Tulay Chachomim, somebody who had a Nidui ban placed upon him, and the Chachomim permitted this ban, Vahemi Shenisha Lechachom Vahutar, and similarly somebody who was under a vow not to wash his clothes, and he came to Tam Chachom and his vow was permitted, Midpreus Hayodayim, some sort of serviettes or small towels which are used for the hands, these are used at meals constantly on a regular basis, and even if somebody were to wash them before Yom Tov, it's likely that he would run out of the towels and need to wash them again on Cholamoyed. So there's no reason to decree against washing these on Cholamoyed, because even if he would do so before Yom Tov, he would still have a need to wash them on Cholamoyed. Towels used by barbers to place on top of the person who is having the haircut. So in order that the people we mentioned in the previous Mishnah be able to have a haircut, so it's permitted to wash the towels used for this purpose, even on Cholomoyed, or Mitpreis HaSafog, and towels for absorbing. This refers to towels used after a shower or a bath, and again, since these require washing very often, they can be washed on Cholomoyed. However, again, if he does have other towels which he could use which do not require washing, then he needs to use those towels and not wash these ones. Alright, continues the Mishnah. People who dirty their clothes very quickly and easily, so they again need to wash their clothes very often, so even if they would do so before Yom Tov, they would have a need to wash their clothes on Cholomoyed as well. For example, Hazovim v'hazovis v'hanidois, these are people who have different types of tumor as a result of substances exiting from their body. Now because of their condition, they need to change their clothes quite often, which by extension means that they need to wash their clothes quite often, and therefore even if they would wash their clothes before Yom Tov, they would still need to do so on Cholomoyed, and therefore it is, forbi- it is permitted for them to wash their clothes on Cholomoyed. The same would apply, for example, to young children. Young children who can get dirty very, very easily, many permit them to their, their clothes to be washed as well for the same reason. And anybody who goes up and ends being tome, he goes from being in a state of tumor to being in a state of tara. And we're referring specifically to people who have a very high level of tumor, such that even their clothes become tome. So in such a case, they couldn't wash their clothes and they couldn't dip their clothes into a mikveh to purify them until they became tahar. And so on Cholomoyed, if they became tahar just before Yom Tov, or on Cholomoyed itself, then Har Eidim all of these people are permitted to wash their clothes on Cholomoyed. But everybody else is forbidden. And as we explained, the reason is that Midirabonon, we are concerned that people will end up not washing their clothes and not preparing sufficiently for the beginning of Yom Tov. Mishnah Gimel. In general, to write a document on Cholamoyed is forbidden, since it's considered to be a Maisa Uman, a professional task, since it has to be done in a very particular manner, and only somebody who is familiar, familiar with these documents could write it. And therefore, it's in general forbidden to write a document on Cholamoyed. However, if it is a case of a Dovar Ha'aved, that you would lose out a lot by not writing it, then it is permitted to write it. So the Mishnah says, The following documents one can write on Cholamoyed. Kiddushin Noshim, a document used for the Kiddushin of a woman, 
Kiddushin is when one acquires a woman. It's the first stage of marriage, and one of the ways in order to do so is by giving her a document which says that you are performing Kiddushin on her. And the reason why this is considered to be a Dover HaOved is because if you don't give her that document, there is a chance that somebody else might end up doing Kiddushin on her before you manage. Secondly, Gitin, to write a document of divorce for a woman. If somebody was about to go on a long journey, which could involve lots of dangers, the custom was that they would write a, d- a document saying they were divorcing their wife in case they wouldn't return. They might go missing, or they might be killed by one of the dangerous things which are out there on his journey. But if there is no proof that he died, then his wife would be forbidden to marry anybody else, in case she's still married to this man who might still be alive. So they would divorce their wife before leaving on this dangerous journey. And so that was considered something quite urgent if they had to go on the journey now already. And therefore that document would be able to be written on Cholamoyed. The Shevorin, a receipt saying that a loan has been, repa- has been repaid. If let's say the person who borrowed money is not willing to repay the money unless the lender writes a document saying that he has received the money. So in general, that would be forbidden in Cholamoyed, and he would have to wait until after Yom Tov. However, if the lender is concerned that the borrower is about to go on a long journey, and he won't end up repaying him after Yom Tov, so if he doesn't get the money now, then he might not be able to get it back for a long time, or ever. And therefore, he can write the receipt in order that the borrower will indeed give him the money back. The Atiki, this is the document written by a Shechiv Marah or on behalf of a Shechiv Marah. Shechiv Marah is somebody who is on their deathbed, and the halacha is that although in general, in order to acquire something, one needs to perform a particular action, such as lifting the item up, or moving it towards them, when it comes to somebody who is on their deathbed, if he says, I want my property to go to this person, and I want this to go to this person, since he's on his deathbed, it could cause him a lot of distress if he wants to give something to somebody else before he dies, but he's not able to because they're not here right now. So the halach is that actually as soon as he says that this should go to this person, if he then dies, then that person does indeed receive it. Now in order to prove that the person said those things, a document should be written, and again that's considered to be quite urgent, and it certainly does come under the category of Dover HaOved, because the receiver would lose out a lot if he doesn't get the things which the Shechiv Marah said he would give him. And so the document can indeed be written. Matona, a gift, if somebody gives a piece of land to somebody else. So it's not as if the person took an item. He received as a gift a piece of land, but he hasn't yet gone there, let's say. And the person who gave it to him could quite easily deny the fact that he gave it to him. And so writing a document to prove the fact that he gave it is quite important, and it is considered to be a Dover HaOved. Or Prusbalin and a Prusbal. What exactly is a Prusbal? So during the Shemitah year, which is once every seven years, all loans, any money which somebody owes to somebody else, is cancelled. And he no longer needs to repay it. That is the Halacha. Now this led to a situation in which people would stop lending people money close to the time of Shemitah. And that was a big problem, because people who needed money, they were no longer, longer able to borrow money as it got closer to Shemitah. And so they instituted a prusbal, which is where one gives over his loans to the Beistin. Now one who owes money to the Beistin, that loan is not cancelled by Shemitah. So a prusbal is where one gives over his loans to Beistin, and that way he can circumvent the cancellation of the loans, and even after Shemitah, the person who borrowed the money will need to repay even after all other loans are cancelled at the end of Shemitah. Igris Shum, letters, documents which record the value of a borrower's property. 
The halacha is that if somebody borrows money and he's not able to repay it, so at least in most scenarios, the lender is able to collect the loan from the borrower's property. And so that property needs to be valued. Now what they would generally do is that at the time of the loan, when he actually lends him the money, so they would write a regular document saying that Ruvain lent money to Shimon. Now after that, when they had time, so they, evaluate, they evaluated the borrower's property and they wrote another document instead of the first one. And the second document included the value of the borrower's property. The mission is talking about a case where they had already gotten rid of and torn up the first original document, and now they were coming to write the next document, which included the value of the borrower's property. So if they wouldn't write the second one, then it's definitely considered to be a Dover Ha'oved, because they've already destroyed the first one, and without writing the second document, the lender has no way of proving that he is owed money. Vigris Mozain, a document where somebody records the fact that he has accepted upon himself to support and provide food for somebody. A common case would be if somebody marries a woman who already has a daughter from a different marriage, and when he marries her, he also accepts upon himself to support her daughter. So again, once he's accepted upon himself, in order that there be proof to that, they would write a document, and that's considered to be a Dovar Ha'oved. Shtori Chalitza, a document stating that a woman has undergone Chalitza. What exactly is Chalitza? So if a man dies without children, then there is a mitzvah upon the dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife, who is now a widow. That mitzvah is known as Yibum. Now, if the brother does not want to marry her, then they can go through a process in Beistin known as Chalitza, which then permits her to marry another man. So once they'd gone through this process, again, they would need to write a document in order to prove the fact that she had gone through this process and that she is now able to marry a different man. Ume Unin, a document which records the fact that a woman has done Mion, and in short, Mion refers to a child who is under the age of Bas Mitzvah, and whose father has died, which means that if she gets married, that marriage is only considered to be Midrabonon, and the halacha is that until she reaches Bas Mitzvah, she is able to walk out of that marriage just by saying, I refuse to continue. And it's not considered as if she got divorced, it's as if the marriage never took place at all. That is Mion. In short, it's basically a divorce from a Midrabonon marriage. Now, she does not need a document to do the Mion, but in order to prove that it was done, a document is written. And again, that's considered to be a Dover Ha'oved so that she can marry somebody else. Alright, the halacha is that if two people are in Beistin, and the Beistin are judging a monetary case between them, so when it comes to choosing the judges, each of them are able to choose one judge each, and then the third judge is chosen between them. Now, once they have agreed upon which judges will be part of the base, then they would need to write a document so that no one can go back on his word that he accepted these judges to judge the case. Uxerius Bastin, decrees made by Bastin, in order that it be made official and not forgotten at all, that also needs to be written down immediately. And finally, Igris shall Roshus, some Mishnais read Roshus, in which case it would refer to documents which contain a decree from the government, and that would be need, to be need to be written down so that people do not violate the law of the government, which could lead to danger. People would, people would need to know about this law. Whereas other versions read Igres shall Rushus, which refers to regular letters, which is not in order to record anything. It's not written for any mitzvah or anything. It'll be a letter that somebody writes to his friend. The point being that when somebody writes, or when a regular person writes, and it's not for the sake of a document, so it's no longer considered to be a Maisa Uman. 
It's only a Maiserhediot, something which does not require a skill of a professional. And because of that, it is permitted to write such things on Cholomoyed.